For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The pot of thunder and rock and roll is here. And in case you forgot, I'm the king of the podcast world. And you're my podcast queen or king. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride, and it's going to be a good ride today with Samoa Joe. I love Samoa, the, the, the way that uh, the proper pronunciation, Samoa. It's not Samoa. It is, but the real island name is Samoa Joe, who tells us all about his long nine-year career in TNA and why he finally made the decision to leave why he went back to Ring of Honor, all of the ups and downs of a very, very successful career, and what's he going to be doing in the future. we got all of that coming up. I thank you guys for being here. I know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to schwa's from, and yet you schwa's mine, and I love it. I thank you also for nominating Talk is Jericho for a podcast award. We were nominated in the Best Sports Podcast not sure exactly how we fit completely in the sports category, but I don't care. I'll take it because the nomination process was such a pain in the rear end. You guys had to cut and paste. You had to uh, go to this page, go to that page, but you guys made the effort and did it. And now talk is Jericho has been nominated for a podcast award. And what's next? Now we got to win it. And I thank you so much for helping out. Uh, and now that we've been nominated, you just got to go to podcastawards.com and vote. You can vote once a day. Winners will be revealed on April 14th in Las Vegas. It would be amazeballs to actually win a podcast award in my second year on the job. So if you dig this show, if you like being entertained by Talk is Jericho twice a week for free, baby, don't forget, this is free. I don't challenge you nothing for joining me on this crazy ride, man. If you like it and you want to pay me back, go to podcastawards.com and cast your vote. Let's win this damn thing, man. Come on. Let's win this damn thing. 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 Let's go to Wrong. Yeah, boy. I want to win, man. Uh, you heard the big news earlier this week. It'd be big news if, if we won this award. It'd be just as big, even bigger than the news that we heard uh, when Samoa Joe announced that he left TNA. 
the first place he came to talk about this life-changing decision, this career-defining decision, is right here on Talk is Jericho. He hasn't done any other interviews explaining his reasons for leaving TNA, but yet, what's he doing? He's here, man. That's right. We'll get into his reasons for leaving TNA. He's been there for nine years. Some of his favorite angles and people he worked with while he was there. We'll talk about Ring of Honor, the Ring of Honor from years ago, and the Ring of Honor is now, the, the up, uh, ups and downs of, of being on the road as an independent wrestler, uh, the growth of Ring of Honor, the growth of TNA. What's he going to do in the future? So many questions to be answered by Samoa Joe. I'm excited to have him on. I'm thanking him for being on. Thanking you guys for being on. I'm thanking all the sponsors of Talk is Jericho for being behind uh, the show, the ones who allow me to do this for free for a week. Thanks to all of you as well for supporting my great sponsors, including Amazon. That's right. Big thanks to you guys for doing your online shopping through my Amazon. Amazon links. Easiest way to support the show. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcast Free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Every time you use one of my Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a couple bucky wuckies to this show to help us cover production costs. I got links for the USA. I got links for the UK. I got links for the Amazon Canada. Eh? You can get all kinds of cool stuff. You can get the latest Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War? And right now, I'm doing this podcast from a hotel room in Belfast because last night, the Cinderblock Party Tour began with a sold-out show in Belfast, Ireland. And what a crazy show it was. Super crazy crowd, jam-packed place, hot on the, hot on the stage. Not to be confused with Kiss, Hot in the Shade. Hot in the Shade, Hot in the Shade, Hot in the Stage. But um, it, it was a really, really killer show. And I was a little bit scared that I wouldn't be able to make it. Um, I was kind of uh, almost stuck in JFK. I flew from Tampa to JFK. I landed uh, at 6 o'clock. My flight was supposed to be at 8.30. So I went into the um, lounge and hung around there a bit. And uh, you can actually order food, like gourmet food in the lounge now, which was great. I came back out of there, went downstairs, and found out that I had been upgraded because of my uh, diamond medallion status. Thank you so much, Delta, for taking care of that. Uh, I was excited. So, uh, you know, a first-class upgrade on internet national flight i had so many plans i was gonna have a drinky winky i was gonna have a bite to eat or watch a movie all that great stuff so i went to the bar to celebrate by having a, a fine gg which as you know is high-end vodka on ice nothing else and as i sat down i saw that the flight had been delayed from 8 30 to 10 30 and it's like okay always a little bit suspicious to uh have flight delays especially big ones like that but what are you going to do? So I'm sitting there relaxing, and then suddenly, I guess at about 9 o'clock, that 10.30 moves to 11. And then the 11 moves to 11.30. And then the 11.30 moves to midnight. And then the bar closes. And now I'm getting a little bit scared because the flight's now delayed like three and a half hours. And usually when something like that happens, it means they're just going to basically say, see ya, sorry, it's canceled. Now, the weather was fine. They said that the plane had already arrived and nobody knew exactly where it was. But the guy, when I asked him, said that the plane had been repoed. And I'm like, does repoed mean the same thing to you that it means to me? Because where I come from, a repoed means repossessed. You know, did somebody not pay the rent on the plane, so they took it away? You know, um, and they start thinking, well, did the pilot lose the keys? 
to the plane. You know, I'm sorry, guys, I can't find my keys. The flight's delayed. So then it's to one o'clock and I'm thinking any moment now they're going to say that this flight has been canceled. And if it's canceled, I'm done. I missed the Belfast show because the rest of the guys were in Belfast already. I came in. I was going to be landing day of, you know, get in, go to the hotel and go for a little snooze and all that sort of thing. But, you know, the clock is ticking and I'm super scared that they're just going to announce it any time. And finally, the guy comes on and goes, ladies and gentlemen, your flight is here and it's like yay shows up we ended up taking off at two in the morning and at that point i was so tired that uh, i just got on the plane and crashed out i didn't get to enjoy a drinky winky or watch a movie or even eat anything i just fell asleep completely uh we flew to dublin i landed there at about two o'clock got picked up by my good buddy jagger he's got the moves like jagger he's got the moves like jagger the moves like jagger and uh, he drove me to Belfast, which was a two-hour drive. I arrived into Belfast at about five, had a quick shower, kind of got organized, and then went to the rock show just in time for the VIP. And we killed it, man. It was a great, great show. Um, first time for uh, Corey Lowry joining us on bass. Corey Lowry from Stuck Mojo fame. Uh, Jeff Rouse uh, could not do the tour because he had commitments with Duff McKagan's Loaded, which he is a founder of that band. So we had Corey join us, and it was amazing balls. He did a great job. Great player, man. Awesome, awesome player. And another fun thing was we did for the first time ever the song Tonight. Uh, we'd rehearsed it in Atlanta a few times, but you know you never know what it's like until you get on the bike and get on your bike and ride and try it out and see what it's like. And we did that, and it just killed it. And uh, you know what? I'm going to play it for you right now from Do You Want to Start a War? Played live for the first time ever in Belfast. Here's Tonight by Fozzie.
yeah, what do you think? Pretty rocking tune, huh? Very, very cool. I love that chorus. Fun to sing. Crowd went nuts for it. So you can expect to uh, hear that song in the set list from now on. And if you want to buy that song, you can do it by buying Do You Want to Start a War on Amazon.com using my links. I haven't forgotten where this all started. Don't forget, you go to PodcastOne.com. You click on the Keeper of Podcasts free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button every time you use one of those links. Amazon kicks back uh, a little cash to the show. So uh, you got to do that. You go to podcastone.com, click on the Keeper Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button, and you can bookmark it so you can get to those links in one easy click. Okay. Big news this week. Samoa Joe leaving TNA, and now he's on the open market. What's he going to be doing? Where is he going? What's his mindset? You're going to find out all about that. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Talk is talk is talk is Jericho. All right, so we're here with uh, with Samoa Joe, and it's funny because we were going to meet here at nine o'clock, and you got here at like ten to nine, and I wasn't I wasn't home yet. <laughs> I know, I and know. I was like, "What kind of a pro wrestler are you? You're actually on time <laughs> and early. That doesn't happen too often." Well, like I actually sat out in front of your neighbor's house for a little bit because, like, he has these like really proud pontificated lion statues in the lawn. I'm like, oh, look at this egomaniac! <laughs> yeah, look my, at this guy. <laughs> my neighbor's not. She'll uh, and I hope she doesn't listen to this, which I don't think she does. But she st- she cleans every day. Yeah, and she wears the same outfit every day. <laughs> She's out there like if it's raining out. She's sweeping the rain down the driveway, oh, yeah. like one of those type of kind of really strange mental issue type people. I got a but like that too, I can't really. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I mean, are you just always kind of an early person? Um, um, I don't. I, you know what? I'm not. It's not so much I'm an early person. It's that I'm like a five hours of sleep person. Like mm-hmm. my dad was, I was, and like. You know, like, my, my dad, we had, like, a Polynesian show, so, like, my dad, like, he'd work at Western Airlines in the morning, he'd start at 5, he'd get done at 3, then he'd go to Disneyland, he'd do, like, five shows a night. At, you said he had a Polynesian show? Yeah, we had a big, our family had a family, had a big Polynesian show, so. Oh, like, with the fire and yeah, everything fire like that? Dance, oh, no kidding. Dancers, my whole nine yards, dude, so, uh, we toured a bunch, and, like, uh, so, yeah, my dad, he'd go down to Disney, do five shows a night at the Tijan Terrace, come home 10.30, and then he'd be up at, like, 5 again to head back to LAX, so it was, like. I don't know. We've all kind of kept like really crazy short hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about actually being like early, like, you know, Japanese style. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. The, the first time uh, I started working for, 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 for Tenru's group, um, I came down to the lobby at, you know, 10 o'clock. Lobby uh-huh. was 10 o'clock. And Asai Ultimo Dragon took me inside and said, you're late. I said, what's well, 10 o'clock? He said, no. 10 o'clock means 9.30. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you spent a lot of time in Japan. Yeah, so man, Did you like, kind of have that instilled in you there, too? Yeah, like, like, you know, just style? like the first, like, maybe, like, two or three years. No, yeah, about, about, yeah, first two or three years of my career. Did a lot of time over there. Did a lot of time. Wow. <laughs> no, I, no, I spent a lot of time over there. And, and uh, yeah, man, they're just, they're real punctual and stuff. But at the same time, like, 
it, it's different because you get it back over there. You know what I mean? Like they're right. always on time with everything. They're always, you know, Johnny on the spot whenever you need something. So it's kind of like it reciprocates, dude. So yeah, I mean, it's all good. I, I always like that kind of, uh, it's very meticulous like you said it's very machine like as in you be here at this time and you show up at this time and if you do that it's the easiest place in the world to work if you show up on time and don't do stupid yeah you can stay there forever yeah the first part i think is easy the second part i can't really speak to (laughs) but the first part's definitely easy (laughs) the first thing i ever was told i went over there with uh fmw Uh And it was myself and Lance Storm, and we were just super green, like maybe a year. Dude, Lance Storm had the sweetest ducktail, by the way. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. So we talked cool. about that a couple weeks ago on this show, and he said he was trying to emulate Sting. Yeah, it was awesome. Though. He said it wasn't a rat tail. He said it was a, it was a, like you said, it was a, it was a ducktail, a, a little duck- wider. Yeah, rat yeah. tails are small and they're inconsequential. That <laughs> yeah. thing makes a statement. <laughs> but they said, I remember Mark Starr. He's, he's passed away since. He said, when you go to a Japanese, uh, when you check into the hotel. Always grab a card, a business oh, card, because that way you'll card. always know where you are. Like, yeah, yeah. Because if you if you get lost somewhere, how are you supposed to find your way back? And even if you do know like the name and address of the place, like you're gonna butcher the name, and like the <laughs> yeah. cab driver's gonna look at you like an idiot the whole time. So yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, because those people they're very meticulous. Once again, is that word? Like if you if someone said to you, like I remember I went to like a truck stop, right? Yeah. And I wanted to get hot cakes. Yeah. And I said to the guy, hot cake, and he didn't know what I was saying. Hot mm, cake. He didn't mm. know what I was saying. So then I got the referee to ask, and it's like, hot cakey. Yeah. Okay. Like if somebody. Oh, hot cake. Oh, okay, okay. Now, if someone came up to you and you're working in a restaurant that serves hot cakes, yeah. hot cake, you'd go, okay, this guy wants hot cakes. Yeah. But reverse, it don't no, work that no, way. No, you got to get it right. You, <laughs> you got to make get sure. Right. <laughs> so you've been in the news over the last couple of weeks because after, I don't know how, 10 years or so, yeah, nine, nine years, nine years you, you decided to take uh, t- take the plunge or whatever it would be and, and leave TNA mm-hmm. um, to go to, I guess, other places, greener pastures or wherever it may be. What, what, what prompted this decision? Because you're one of the guys that was a cornerstone of TNA for so long and also one of the guys that uh, was one of the biggest stars and also kind of, uh, for, for a few years, kind of one of the forgotten stars, kind of on the mm-hmm. back burner for a while. What uh, what went down over the last few months, Joe? Uh, it was, you know, I think it, it, the lead up to it, I mean, it really, I can't even say it was the last few months. Dude. You know, it was, it was a little bit. Um, first and foremost, like I think one of the perceptions that a lot of fans have about wrestlers is that, you know, you can up and leave anytime you want and mm-hmm. you can like whatever. No, I signed a contract and right. I, I believe in honoring your deals and stuff. And, uh, you know, over the course of my last deal and, and even before that, you know, there was just a accumulation of, uh, of smaller issues and some bigger issues. But, you know, at the end of it all, you know, I kind of looked around and realized, you know, this is, uh, what I've accomplished in TNA. I don't think there's much more I can, I can do mm-hmm. within the bounds of the company. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit ambitious, and I want a bit more. You know? Was it hard uh, to to leave after, like you said, being there for nine years? Absolutely, because I mean, uh, in nine year nine years where I was invested too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it'd be different if it was like I was there for nine years, and no, it was what it was. And mm-hmm. but no, like I generally, uh, you know, I, I, I still keep in touch with and, and and care about a lot of the guys I worked with. And as you know, like you know, pro wrestling is a big family, and mm-hmm. uh, you always see each other somewhere down the line in, in your highs and your lows. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it was extremely tough, man. But, um, you know, it, it was funny. There was a series of events kind of towards the end there where I kind of looked around and it, uh, 
it was kind of air apparent and clear to me, man. It was, it was time to move on. What were some of those events that, you, that you're referring to? Um, I think uh, the, the biggest one was just, you know, the, a few subtle disagreements between me and, and management and how they're viewing me. And there's, you know, some uh, just some other comments, too, that kind of made me realize that maybe they were moving in a different direction mm-hmm. creatively, and um, which is fine. I mean, it's not something I'm like, well, you know, to hell with them. I mean, you know, you all have to make your decisions. And after kind of taking those incidents into account and taking into account uh things they've done with me uh on the creative end and then some other issues business wise mm-hmm. between us you know i just realized you know maybe uh maybe it's better for both of us if, if i moved on well you know it, it's interesting because back in the you know in the old days mm-hmm. or whatever you'd go to a company a territory you'd stay for a year two years or three years and that's a long time but yeah when you mean when you say nine years i mean that is a long run, long run. in a company mm-hmm. you know so there is a lot of chance to get overlooked or stagnant or like you said maybe it's just time to because the key to wrestling as you know is always constantly influx of new talent absolutely absolutely and i think the stagnation is probably another big issue too is that you know i felt a lot of times they just uh you know they had trouble kind of figuring out what they wanted to do with me and uh Mm -hmm. you know they liked me and they were very very receptive to me and stuff but at the same time uh you know it, it comes to a point where uh you you know words only go so far and you start reading more into actions and um you know, I just kind of, it really helped along the decision. You know, uh, sometimes people, in, well, it happens for all wrestling fans because, you know, wrestling fans are and wrestling critics and wrestling pundits. Oh, yeah. They want to pile on to, you know, to, you know, booking of the WWE or, or TNA as a mm-hmm. company. But you have been there in TNA and really helped grow this company because say what you want about it. It's a internationally touring yeah. company with a lot of. A lot of positives, and of course, there's negatives as well. But how how did you feel um, about the growth of TNA over the years? Because uh, a lot of it was on your back and on AJ's back as well. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, I mean, that was a personal set, uh, point of pride. I think for especially me, AJ, um, you know, Daniels, mm-hmm. um, a lot of guys who would started with the company because, uh, you know, it, I, I, when I was when I first started with Ring of Honor, that was something that we grew. I mean, you know, it was, right. it was put on the backs of me and several other guys, and and we grew that company, and it right. was something that, and being a part of that process is awesome. You know, it's it's something that a lot of wrestlers don't get a chance to to be a part of, of actually growing and, and being at the bedrock of a company. Uh, I had that opportunity with ROH, I have that opportunity with 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 TNA, and um, I mean, it's just you know, it's awesome. But at the same time, it's like uh, you know, I think I think at, at, at points. Um, you know, and, and business is business, and I and I don't hold any personal fault to anybody. You know, uh, you know, people forget. You know, especially, especially sure. in the office, and and you know, they've uh, they're invested in very various other ways. And don't get me wrong, Dixie's she works herself to the bone, and she's uh, invested a lot of her money, a lot of her family's money, into making TNA a viable uh, brand in the international market. And uh, I don't fault her for for that at all. But at the same time, you know, uh, you you look around and you realize that maybe uh, at the end of nine years, uh, the the amount of appreciation that you would hope for and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, from the company maybe isn't quite there and uh, they're, uh, they they might view you in a different light than you feel you should be viewed. And I think at that point, the relationship starts to get poisonous. Yeah. And I didn't want that to happen with me and TNA. I didn't want to be there and feel like and, and have this growing resentment inside of me. And, and, and that was another major factor is I don't really believe in sitting around and waiting for things to get that bad between you and a company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd rather... 
kind of pull myself away, take that energy that it would be consumed with, with these negative feelings and have that pushed into something positive. And uh, that, that was a big, big reason why uh, I ended up leaving. You know, I went through the same thing in 2005 in the WWE. I was getting real burned out, real mm-hmm. stagnant. Things that used to come very easy to me as far as putting together a match. Mm-hmm. I would have to think longer. I was starting to get disgruntled. Mm-hmm. And I always remember, and, and they're really good guys now, but at the time, you know, the, the member like, for example... Hall and Nash and WCW just complaining about everything and bitching about everything. Yeah, and, and, and as you know, there's like that guy in every company. But that's I mean, right. Yeah, but and it's almost and it's like one of those things. That's the second battle that you have to have. Right, is, is fighting the environmental negativity that's around you. And there's always one or two or fifteen of those guys, you know, in every company that you go. To, yeah, that's there. <laughs> but I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, right. And that's what you're saying too. You didn't want to be that guy who's poisoned and bitter and just no, nah, because it's bearing everything. It's bad it's, for everybody. It's bad for everyone. So I left. You know, I, I took myself out of the game and left mm-hmm. before it could get that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to do that. Uh, professionally, personally, because then you start getting bitter at home. Yeah, yeah. You know? It infects everything. And uh, I didn't want that. And like I said, I saw that too. Uh, you know, well before you know this. I mean, you know, you see those guys, and mm-hmm. you're like, how can you exist like that, man? Like, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so horrible, you know. And, and uh, I definitely didn't want that to happen with me. You know, when you first came into TNA, and I remember, I don't know if, if I, probably Twitter wasn't around, but my website or something like that. When you first came on, I was like, this is my new favorite guy, because <laughs> you were just kicking the crap out of everybody in a in a in a good way, like you, yeah. not for real, yeah. just looking like it. Like I've always said, I said this the other day to somebody. Uh, I was talking to Daniel Bryan about how I've never met a Samoan who wasn't a good worker and who couldn't who couldn't drink like a mofo. <laughs> but well, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about. You know, uh, you talk about the bad the bad side of racial profiling, but this mm-hmm. is the good side. If you're a Samoan and you're in the wrestling business. You're good. Yeah. That's just the way it is. I don't know what it is about your 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 people, <laughs> but you guys are always good, and it's so hard hitting work. Very crisp, very strong style, very tight. Are you uh, part of the family with anybody at all? Uh, I'm, I'm not a part of the Onaway family, and it's funny because uh, before AccuPast, um, we had a meeting. You know, we met at WrestleMania, and he was hot because with Umaga, had, yeah, yeah, and, and Umaga, and he, and he said, "Oh, somebody from." Uh, Somebody from my family said you something about my family, and, and we, but you know, and he goes, "You want to step outside?" And I was like, "Yeah, step outside." And, and like Samoans is different. Like you know, it's like step outside. If a guy meets you head on, it's not like okay, well, if this guy's willing to meet me head on and and talk it out, then usually there's more to this. So we walked outside and we talked and had a great discussion, man. And uh, you know, kind of cleared up a lot. And like you know, I said, you know, like. I'm not a part of the Anoa'i family, you know, but if you ask my aunt and my uncle, they can sit there for five minutes and they'll put the connection together and I will be, yeah. but uh, and, and that's all Samoans. That's another uh, that's I guess positive are- stereotype. We're all related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, uh, uh, you know, and, and I didn't, coming up through the business, everybody constantly wanted to say, oh, you know, are you an Anoa'i? Are you an Anoa'i? Or a Fatu. Or a Fatu. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, I thought it would be, yeah, my, uh, yeah, my via, you know, and, and I thought it'd be disrespectful if I aped off of their name. I mean, mm-hmm. that's their family, dude. That's their blood, and and they've paved the way, mm-hmm. no doubt. I mean, they have paved the way for all Polynesian wrestlers, not just Samoan Polynesian wrestlers in general, to come into the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, before you know, High Chief Peter Maivia, nobody even knew where Samoa was. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the truth. You yeah. know, and, and most and most Americans outside of you know avid uh, uh, football fans probably wouldn't know who Samoans were because, you know, other than the big guys that block and tackle on the front lines, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I was always cognizant not to try to ape off of their family's success. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like, 
man, what a legacy that family has, dude. You know, I know Kishi's won the Hall of Fame now, and that's like yeah, crazy. Well, that's what I'm saying, like the Anawais and the yeah. Fatus, yeah. you know, and we talk about the Maivias as yeah. well. I mean, there's such a grand Samoan tradition, mm-hmm. but they all fall into those categories. You're like, I don't, I don't even know what your last, what is your last? Sa- name? Sanoa, I'm the Sanoa. Sanoa. Okay, yeah. so so you have your kind of your own yeah, yeah. family, and that's the other thing too is that I'm proud of my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm proud of you know my my family and Nuili and where they come from, and it's like. You know, I, I didn't want to get it all twisted up. And, and, and honestly, like some of it was just like I wanted to earn my reputation on my own back. and I didn't Which is, yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. But it's like for me coming through the Calgary system. Yeah. Like there's a real. You're not a heart? <laughs> Lionheart. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that there was a real sense of pride to go through the Calgary system. And, and in Japan, they'd even have a name for us. We were called the Calgary Kids. Mm-hmm. So if you come from Calgary and you're the shits, yeah. that's even worse. Yeah. Did you feel a little bit of, uh, of pressure or uh, like lineage, as in, okay, I'm coming from this Samoan background? I got to be good for, for- it, it, it was funny. I did it, but it was because, especially when I started in the Indies and, and you being a Samoan and that perception of all Samoans being good workers, it was like, <laughs> yeah, people kind of treated me in a different light. You know, they were like, Oh, Hey, Samoan kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bring him. Yeah. Yeah. He's booked. Yeah. Bring him on down. Yeah. So yeah, he can work, right? Yeah. They can all work. Yeah. That's yeah exactly. Yeah, they so, can all yeah, work. Yeah. So, uh, it actually helped me a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I never felt any overwhelming pressure. If anything, uh, even when I see those guys today, man, it's always overwhelming support and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's cool. But there is a style that you guys have. Like I said, like a Calgary style. I don't know why, but all Calgarians hit the turnbuckle better than anybody else. Like yeah. you take a dig, you say, shoot me and give me a turnbuckle. Uh-huh. It's just great. Mm-hmm. Samoans, there's a style of like so crisp and strong style. And like I said, like, like Eki, for example, Umaga. Yeah. One of my favorite guys to work against and to watch. And Rikishi, too. Yeah. Because everything looked like he was killing the guy, but as light as a feather. And you're mm. the same. We've never worked, but I'm yeah. assuming it's the same. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I think, it, I think it has a lot to do with the upbringing. Um, you know, uh, Samoans will make no bones about it. It's a very physical household. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, and, and not an abusive household. By I mean, there's a lot of love. But, I mean, uh, when, when you're... Uh, when things go wrong, you know about it right away. You know what I mean? And that's every small. And it's not just your parents, too. It's like, uh, you know, everybody in the family has free reign on you. So if you're messing up in front of your uncle, expect to catch that same backhand that you get at home in front of your mom and dad. So, um, I mean, I think that's part of it. I, th- I think, uh, you know, just, I mean, a lot of times when guys come into uh, pro wrestling and, and they start, you know, I remember kind of taking my first bumps and getting knocked around a little bit and chopped around and stuff. And me kind of going, well, yeah, you know, this is... I'm not saying it's not didn't hurt, but it was just like it wasn't unusual or uncommon to me. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, and as far as like the, the Christmas and the style, I mean, uh, you know, the, I mean, Samoans really value like a, having a physical household and their kids. You know, your kids play sports. Uh, they often don't have the grades to probably go faster because we're, you know, we, we like to party and have fun, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, kind of the physicality and stuff like that. It, it's kind of kind of drilled into you from when you're a kid. So when you came up through the ROH system and you're making the decision to go to to TNA because you had a big um big buzz about you from Ring of Honor. A lot there's a lot of you guys there at the time mm-hmm. I say you guys the same kind of like with us with the ECW buzz mm-hmm. where there's a, a national promotion but it's still under the radar but you're hearing about Samoa Joe, you're hearing about AJ Styles and CM Punk and Brian Danielson and and you know whoever else was there at the time. Did you ever uh, consider going to WWE? Did you have an opportunity and kind of made the choice for TNA, or was TNA the one that kind of came to you earliest? Um, TNA actually, when I was in ROH, TNA had actually made a couple initial offers to me earlier that they just didn't work out. You know, mm-hmm. it just it just wasn't smart on either of our ends. And then uh, 
when they were transitioning to Spike before they had had the TV deal, um, they had asked me to come in just for a few dates. So I was actually working jointly ROH and TNA for probably my first oh, okay. half a year, maybe a year and a half, not entirely sure, that I was with TNA. So, I mean, it really wasn't um, – it, it was more of a – it was such a smooth transition because it was like I was up there. I could still go back and work ROH dates. And then eventually TNA offered me a deal that, you know, that we liked. And, um, you know, that was exclusively TNA. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of – it was a really, really smooth transition. So that's why, like, this point in my life, it's kind of weird because I've never done the whole – like free agency thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're calling it. I don't know, but like, so unemployed, whatever. <laughs> like, <you know>? like, <laughs> so it is kind of, it is kind of weird now, but uh, I mean, it just kind of like, I just kind of like evolved into TNA. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. really a, you know, it's do or die time. Here we go. It was kind of like, well, you know, I guess here's where we're at. So yeah. let's, let's keep the, it's interesting going. when you say that it's like, if it's been nine years, that's pretty much like your adult quote unquote life. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty as much a, as a career yeah. has been in, in TNA. <laughs> when you first came to TNA, what was their TV situation? Uh, their t- there was non-existent. Oh yeah. It was, uh, and, and, and to quote, uh, Scott Demore, who I love to death. He's like, <laughs> Listen, you're a big internet guy. We're doing this stuff on the internet, so we're going to bring in for a few shots. And I was like, oh, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, man. uh, Yeah, because they were doing pay-per-views for a while with no TV. With no TV, and it was just strictly at pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, I might have had an inkling from a friend. You know, I was living in L.A. at the time, and keep good contacts out there. Might have had an inkling from a friend that the Spike deal was going through. So, Oh, okay, so um, it was right before the Spike deal. Yeah, and, and I, I think it was pretty shortly thereafter. I yeah. came to the company that, that they, they started on Spike. Do you remember who the champ was when you came in? Was it Kurt? Uh, probably no Kurt wasn't there yet it was oh. probably like Jeff or so this was before Angle even came yeah in. yeah Angle yeah this is I was even uh, Christian before he even came in too. really because yeah. like I said I was watching TNA when you and you when you came in there mm-hmm. and then it's like I I, see, I so re- whenever I think of you and TNA I think of you and Angle because mm-hmm. that was the big build right yeah, of yeah. like was I don't remember was it like six months or eight months no or... it wasn't that long unfortunately okay. <laughs> we wanted it to be me and me and Kurt both we really wanted it to be. Uh, but they wanted to, uh, you know, they wanted to fire it off and get it started a little bit sooner. So, uh, so when he came in, you were his first opponent. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, how, how did you like working with Kurt? I loved it, and yeah. I still do. I mean, uh, Kurt's one of those guys who, I mean, he's just he's just good. I mean, he can no matter how hurt he is, no matter you know how healthy is, whatever. I mean, he just. He somehow that switch turns in him and, and he gets out there and he's ready to go. So I mean, true he's performer, awesome. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean. Kurt, for all that Kurt's accomplished, he's still one of those guys that the thought of phoning it in just appalls him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he gets, you know, he gets mad or like I've seen him, like if he hears a comment like, oh, you know, Kurt ain't what he used to be. Well, we're, I'm, we're going crazy tonight. I don't care. 25 minutes. We're going to show him. Yeah, we're going to show him, Kurt. You know, like, you know he's, uh, he, he, uh, he definitely, uh, he uh, takes care of his reputation. I call him a, a thumb. Because he's got he's a face on a neck. And yeah, you could draw a face on a thumb, and that's him. I didn't know where his head started. I like <laughs> yeah, his chin and his apple. Yeah. I keep getting confused. <laughs> like he's just. He was like that from the start, though. Like even when he first came into the WWE, like right off the bat, he mm-hmm. was. I remember working with him. He maybe was there six months, and you're having you know the quote unquote four or five star matches, working main events on, you know if the, if there's a split crew for house shows. Yep. You're, you know, him and I worked main event on whatever it was, the B show, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And this is six months into his tenure. Like, yeah. he is just a naturally great performer who just got better and better and better. I think, and it's it's a, a strange thing to think about because TNA and WWE are so different. But I think some of his best performances and some of his best years were spent in TNA for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with, 
um, you know, when you come from WWE, obviously, Kurt, he didn't want to have anybody say, oh, you know, it's... He was taking a step back, or yeah, whatever, like that. Like he it's a wanted, demotion. Yeah, yeah he no, nah, he 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 took it to heart, and he wanted to show the world that he was still. But that was a so, huge, a huge get. Like you huge come in, get. huge get. He comes in right after. You mentioned Christians in there after. Mm. There was a lot of momentum and steam going on at that point in time. A ton, a ton. And I mean, uh, the company was really, really. I mean, to use a cliche, it was firing on all cylinders. You mm -hmm. had a really good collection of really great. And especially seasoned guys who knew who knew how to you know elicit what they wanted to from a crowd, and then you combine it with guys who were you know younger, rawer talent that you know it kind of shaped and honed a lot of guys, and me myself included, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, it just uh, it, it was a really invaluable experience. Hey, this is Jeff Lewis from Radio Andy, live and uncensored. Catch me talking with my friends about my latest obsessions, relationship issues, and bodily ailments. With that kind of drama that seems to follow me, you never know what's going to happen. You can listen to Jeff Lewis live at home or anywhere you are. Download the SiriusXM app for over 425 channels of ad-free music, sports, entertainment, and more. Subscribe now and get three months free. Offer details apply. Talk is Jericho. So we're here with, uh, with Samoa Joe. Let's talk a little bit about, about the, the booking team and the creative team in TNA. It's something that I don't really don't even know who it is. I mean, WWE, obviously, it's Vince, and, and Triple H is in there, and they've got Ed Kosky and Dave Kapoor, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. When you were talking about this time when TNA was firing all cylinders, who was, uh, who was, who was the creative team at that point in time? Um, it, God, it changed so much all the time. It was hard to say. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, Jeff... Initially, Jeff and then Jeff, Jeff had Jeff kind Jarrett, of a committee yeah. of him, Dutch Mantel. Um, oh man, I, I know I'm leaving tons of people out. Uh, but if you're talking about kind of the, the Jarrett Mantel, that's a good yeah. kind of cornerstone. Yeah, you know, that's a good Southern type guys mm -hmm. who have been around for a long time booking in the classic yeah. tradition. And, and I give Jeff a lot of credit because, like, he also. Despite whatever he would have felt creatively about somebody, he also understood a guy who drew and was getting a reaction, mm -hmm. and he was very, very uh, responsive to it and would do his. If you're best. feeling something, yeah, you mean? Yeah, yeah, if you're feeling something, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't ignore it. You know what I mean? Right. He, he or try to change the perception. He would be like, "Well, you know, the wave's rolling. Let's start riding it." You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and, and and that was cool in his fact. Uh, Russo, I think, towards the '08, '09, but he was working in conjunction with a lot of people, Jeff, and all that. Um, and then, you know, you had Bischoff and Hogan come in and how was it when those guys came in? Um, you know, I, I, uh, when they first came in, I, you know, Hulk was, you know, he, you know, Hulk's Hulk, he's a real cool, chill dude. And he just wanted to come in and help out and do what he could. You know, Bischoff's a real visionary cat. You know, he's he kind of comes in and he has his hair about him. Like, you know, we're going to change the world. And, yeah. uh, uh, my, my meetings with them, I mean, and when I worked with them, it was always cool. I mean, uh. There was a little discrepancy in there where I disappeared for a while and I came back and it wasn't explained and everybody to this day still points fingers at everybody else over that. But uh, like creatively, you disappeared or, or like no, like literally for they, real. I was thrown in a van and carted off, and then there was no explanation why I disappeared oh. back on TV again. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, and it's funny because even to this day, everybody like I, you know, I've, I've talked to several Russo and. Vance and everybody else, and nobody really kind of like, well, just, you know, we don't know. We just went to get some milk and cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, just my crazy college buddies. Yeah. <laughs> and my last weekend. We partied in, yeah, we partied in Cabo. It was great. <laughs> so um, what, what do you think was the peak of TNA uh, as a company? 
Um, God, I'm so horrible with dates, so it's hard to say. But I mean, I mean, I'm talking about like uh, I, I think I think um, the stuff with me and Kurt, I think, was a real peak for the company. I think that's were, that's you guys like drew some some buy rates. Yeah, for, we did. We did really matches. good buy rates. Probably the I think the best that the company ever had. And mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, but I mean, it, it was an extension of what people really, really were into. Because at the time, like I said, I had this buzz coming up from Ring of Honor and stuff like that. And obviously, Kurt had his pedigree, which was just you mm-hmm. know fantastic at the time. And uh, and Kurt, you know, he really, really. It was funny when Kurt got to TNA. The first thing he's like, "I can't wait to get in the ring with you." And you know, he was just he was all about it. And um, you know, I think I think for me, I mean, I, it sounds a little bit self edifying, but I think that was kind of the height of the company, the peak of the company. Well, and I think another reason too is, is around that time was when now there's a lot of hybrid guys of of wrestling and kind of MMA, kind yeah. of more of a of a. I, I hate to use the word shoot style, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I think. I think it's just you're, you're seeing a lot of MMA technique uh, kind of crossing into pro wrestling because now the general populace understands. I yes. Mean, like, I think it, when you went back to the early 90s, like a Kimura or you know, chicken wing lock, you, yeah. know, you know, guys would be like, oh, that's a lame move. But now you're seeing guys get their arms snapped with it on Friday nights, you know, at UFC. You know it works. And now guys are like, well, oh, that's all, yeah, Kimura's all day. They're the best. So, you know, and straight arm bars. You know, it's funny. You go back to the you know early 90s and the 80s and – Guys would get a straight arm bar. Somebody's like, "Why is he humping his elbow?" And now, like, right, you see an arm bar, and you're like, "Oh, it's gonna snap! It's crazy!" So you know, it it's- bothers me. And I learned this in Japan, probably in '95, '96. Mm-hmm. Someone puts the arm bar on, you have to try and lock. Yeah, it lock your hands. With right? your hands. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big stickler for that too. Yes. I- I hate dudes who just sit there in it for like... Yeah, guys won't lock their hands. And like yeah. you said, they really are just humping the elbow. And yeah. it's like, if this was real, you'd be snapped in a second. Yeah. The only chance you have is to lock your and hands. And like, I've, I've even caught like cross-arm breakers on guys. And guys kind of leave their arm out there. And the whole time, so they're going... I really want to pump this elbow, but you're cool. <laughs> but I really want to pump this elbow because you're sitting here teach you a lesson. Giving, giving me the sleeper cell and trying to clap up the crowd. Yeah. I'm like, I want to rip, <laughs> I want to break your arm right now. What are you doing? Raise my <laughs> hand. Yeah, yeah. Raise it again. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you and Kurt, my point was that it was you and Kurt were working a style that was one of the first kind of hybrid mm-hmm. wrestling with, you know, this MMA amateur wrestling kind of yeah. shoot style. And, and honestly, I, I'd, I'd love to see it kind of infect the product more because I think, uh, you know, I th- and I think you can probably attest this better than anybody. You know, you always have that salty old guy who's like, ah, work a hold, kid. Ah. <laughs> and, you know, in a way, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes they work it too much or it's ridiculous. But in, in other ways, I think that the submission aspect of wrestling, I'd love to see it be, become more prominent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like slams the high flying. I mean, I think the high flying has kind of reached a level that is unparalleled. Now some guys are doing this amazing stuff, but at the same time, I think that the danger in, 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 in the, in the absolute, like, you know, peril that you see in a good submission match when guys are just locked up and they're looking to, you know, for doors and windows to get out and escape. Right. It's like, you know, nothing really compares to that type of excitement. And, and I've seen a little bit, I've seen it in Japan, obviously. And, uh, and, and you even see it in MMA today, but I think it's, I think it's a style that's going to like, kind of permeate the sport within the coming years. I mean, you're really good at that. Did you train? In that I, I was, you know, I was, I was a judo kid, you know what I oh, mean? Okay. Like, you know, that was, that was kind of my thing. And, uh, uh, and then after that, kind of coming up through the business, uh, you know, I ran into a lot of good uh, jujitsu guys and they would give me pointers to work out with them. And then going over to Japan, obviously, uh, uh, it's very, very much ingrained in the culture there. And, and I, had the, I had the wonderful opportunity work, of working underneath Fujiwara and like, mm. you know, him kind of just, you know, taking the time with me and just showing me different things and old hook and shoot techniques and catching people in shin locks and just nasty, <laughs> nasty stuff. And it's just like. 
you know it's like after after kind of going through that experience it's like yeah man I, I i love this i'd like to see this more you know to the forefront i always loved when you see a picture of fujiwara first of all he's looked the same for about 30 years yeah he doesn't age and he looks like a skinny fat guy old guy yeah but he could tear all but, of our but he's just he, yeah and yeah he can tear everybody's <laughs> thumbs off he's the dirtiest meanest old man you'll ever see and, who, uh, who did you work for when you went to japan uh i started with zero one mm-hmm. uh under hashimoto was hashimoto's offshoot company right and, uh, Did you ever work with Hashimoto? Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of similarities between oh, you guys. I mean, he was a real big influence to me, too. I mean, this is a guy who was the Japanese Elvis yeah. in, in his latter years. You know, and, yeah, and, that's but, true. But, uh, you know, he could arrest the crowd's attention like nobody else. And, you know, he'd always talk about it. He's like, the eyes, the eyes. It's all in the eyes. In the eyes. Yeah, in the oh, eyes. He's like, you know, this is like, he's like, you know, intention, you know, aggression, anger. It all comes from the eyes, you know, and, and people know and they see it. And, you know, he'd come, he'd come in that ring and, I mean... You know, if you saw him walking down the street, you'd be like, oh, he's the happiest, jolliest guy in the world. And then he'd walk in that ring and be like the destroyer of worlds. And it was just, oh, yeah. uh, he just, I mean, he was a real big influence on me. I've never been kicked harder by anybody than by Hashimoto. Oh, me either. Me kick, either. Kicked to the breadbasket as yeah. hard as he could. As hard as he could. I mean, he was trying to make your heart come out the back of your... <laughs> yeah. And like and like Joe's saying, he, he Japanese Elvis and that he resembled Elvis in body type, you yeah. know, 77 yeah, yeah, Elvis yeah. as well. He was a, a portly guy, chubby, but man, was he ever tough. Yeah. And he, I mean, and he could go that was the thing that that killed me too yeah. is that like you would think oh no this guy can't go you know like he, he's just kind of like cruising and he would he'd go in there and he'd bust his ass and he'd go crazy and just were like, you friends with him yeah i was i was and he was i mean he was awesome he's an awesome boss to have and he was i mean really really kind and i mean he you know if, if i remember at the time me kind of going you know i'd like to stay in japan you know between tours and you know, Trey, I was young and didn't have anything really better to do yeah, than yeah, party. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd like to stay and I'd like to learn the stuff. And like, you know, he he put me up and oh really? Yeah, and said, yeah, you come stay and no big deal. And, and I mean, he he do that all the time. He passed away six, seven, eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it kind of uh, unexplained circumstances, or did he? Have- no, I mean, I think it was legit. I think he just had some medical condition, I think cancer was, or something, yeah, aneurysm maybe? or something. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was just it. Was, yeah, and unexplained circumstances in Japan usually means. Uh, there was a debt that needed to be collected. In, yeah, uh, some yeah. kind of yakuza issues. Yeah. But Japanese are strange, though. Like, I know whenever you have, like, if somebody has cancer, or mm-hmm. they, they don't ever talk about no, it, no. never release it. It's almost like a, be, a dishonorable be, thing. You well, know? it would be perceived as the leadership of the company being weakened. Weak, and right. they don't want anything, you know, and they very much live for their company and for the perception of everything. So like he did not want to see zero yeah. one seen in that light that, Oh, well they got a lame duck, you know, right. boss if the boss thing. has a, a yeah. legitimate health issues, he's weak and the yeah. company will be weak too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A strange land. Strange, man. <laughs> strange, wonderful place. Uh, where, where else did you work after zero one? Um, and, and then by that time I had just started up with ring of honor and uh, okay. was working to stateside, but you, have you never worked all Japan? Or uh, Japan? I thought you, I uh, know, Noah, oh, Noah. Oh, Noah. Okay. But that was later on. That was actually during my tenure in TNA. Um, you know, we had a decent relationship with Noah and, and, uh, when, uh, Kobashi had come over and wrestled me in ROH, uh, me and the Noah office hit it off really, really well. And they would, they wanted to use me full time, but at the time I had signed a deal with TNA. So. That was another great match, Kobashi and, and Samoa Joe. Yeah, that that's fun. another similar, similar type of guy, a big, agile guy like yeah. yourself, strong style. Yeah. Do you enjoy working with him? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, it was funny because, uh, you know, the Noah guys had no idea how much of a following, you know, especially with the Ring of Honor fans and the and the hardcore, you know, watch everything pro wrestling fans that they had out here. Because you're bringing those guys over here to work in yeah. New York City yeah, or New whatever. York and, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, like all the of, all the hotbeds, all the hotbeds. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're expecting to come over and get this kind of like, uh, 
uh, really xenophobic response. <laughs> Throw like, salt, bow. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And they, it was funny. Like, they actually had this idea in their mind that they were going to come over here to the States and, like, you know, they were going to treat Kobashi like he was Mr. Fuji. And I'm trying to, <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to him, uh, you know, kind of previous to the event. I'm like, no, no, everybody here knows it. He goes, oh, then maybe, and, you know, he's kind of, kind of setting up some hokey stuff, very like salt in the eyes, you know, like type of deal. I bow Should to I you. Should I bring my translator out and say, I hate him? No, no, no. Spit green mist. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. It, it, uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm going, uh, no, no, no. All these people know you. They know everything you do. And uh, in my broken English and the translators, I'm broken Japanese and the translator's helping me. And he's like, oh, really? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Trust me, trust me. They're, they're going to, you just do everything you normally do and then I'll, you'll be fine. And then he comes out through the crowd. I remember he gets this monster ovation and they're throwing streamers and they're going <laughs> yeah. crazy. And he just like, I remember he gets to the Ruby initially kind of give me this look, the sideways look like, oh, wow, well, I guess, wow, well, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, know, right yeah. This won't be so bad as I thought it would be. Was he easy to put together a match with? Yeah. And most of the Japanese guys are because it's not a real meticulous process. Like mm -hmm. they, they have their ideas of what they want to do and like, you know, get to this point, get to this point. And then what's in between is just like, you know, you just we're just going to go and we feel it and we work off of each other. I'm sure there's a trust factor too. I mean, he knows he's coming over here to work with you. Yeah, it's not somebody that he doesn't know. Yeah, and and when they had brought guys over previous, and and I had worked in Japan pretty extensively, and and I'd been on joint shows between Noah and Zero One, so he knew of my work, he knew of me, and and he knew I understood their style. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a pretty easy process. That's great. It's funny you mentioned throwing streamers. I think that now people throw more streamers in the states yeah, at Ring they, of Honor they, they shows. Do in Japan they do in Japan. Yeah. They rarely do it there, yeah. but here people think, oh, they just throw streamers yeah. in Japan. It's like, eh, <laughs> not really. Not really. It was only for real special, special. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, you keep doing your thing, guys. You know? <laughs> Did you? Uh, are you the first guy that you ever uh, saw doing the muscle buster? Did you invent that, or did you steal, no? Did not nick I, it from somebody? No, I nicked it, bro. Yeah. I, that's stolen, not mine. <laughs> Everybody's no. stolen. It and yeah, everything. I uh, no. It was funny. Uh, I saw guys in. I saw one guy, and I always he works for Noah named Mohammed Yoni. He used it, but he would used to go to his. Was he a, was he a gaijin? Was he a foreign guy, or was he no, a Japanese he, he did, guy? He was a Japanese guy, but he just had I don't know. Yeah, name, never, Muhammad. Yeah, Mohammed. And right. he had an afro, which was I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, uh, I saw him do it once, but he used to go to just sit down to his butt with it, and immediately I'm like, oh my god, that has to crush your spine. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, imagine the pressure. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh, that's just uh, I don't think it's gonna work. So then I modified it a bit, and I thought, well, you know, let's just bring it to the ground. I think it looks a little bit nicer and mm -hmm. you know, compact guy a little bit more but i mean originally i was actually sitting in the dojo in one of my stayovers and they had an like ultimate muscle like manga sitting there and i'm watching then I'm, and i saw the move in there and i was like oh, i wonder if you could do that for real and then that's when i saw yoni do it and i said oh, i want to i want to change up a little bit put a little more impact on it so then i started bringing it down to my back and that's how it's, it's a great back. move and yeah. it's, it's one of those ones that no one else has really done as far as... And I, and I think that was my biggest thing is that nobody in the States was really doing it. Yeah. And uh, I was but, relatively sure I could get most people in it, so... <laughs> <laughs> but nobody has stolen it. Like, you know, you, no one uses it in WWE that I know Cody, of. But... Cody was using it for a little bit. Oh, Cody was? But to his credit, and he's a real solid dude, uh, you know, texted me and said, hey, man, no offense. I was like, dude, totally cool. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No offense taken. Not at all, you know. He didn't last very long, though. I think he switched to something else. I don't know. You know? <laughs> well, that's the thing about a finish like that. You got to be really strong yeah. to do that. You yeah. know, and Cody doesn't have the same build as you have with the big legs. I mean, can see you be able to hold guys yeah. like that, you know? I like I haven't I saw him do it a couple times. I didn't, I mean, I didn't see him do it after that. But, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who else did you enjoy working with in TNA? 
Um, uh, Christian, when he was there, he was awesome. I mean, uh, I mean, it's great snow, that's, yeah, the snow was a surprise. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you talk to anybody, they'll say the same thing. AJ was, and you know this, you have that guy that, like, when you work him, you don't even want to talk to him or look at right. him until you're in the ring. And, I mean, that's AJ. You don't have to. No, you don't have to. And you know it's going to be good. And it's like, if I remember, you know, just tons of times walking into a building and seeing my name next to AJ's. And, like, first of all, you look at each other disgusted for no other reason <laughs> other than, all right. And then you don't talk all day. And then you go, well, what are we going to do tonight? I don't know. What did we do two months ago? Well, I know we can't do that. Well, let's change it up a little bit. And then that's literally all you say to each other. And then you go in and do it's the it. Best, it's the best when you have that chemistry. Yeah. Uh, you know, Christian, uh, Chris Daniels. He's, I mean, but I've known him forever. And it's the same thing with him. I don't just don't. You kind of had a group of me. guys that all came in from Ring of Honor. And in the same together. area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, we all kind of came together and it worked out great. And uh, I mean, most recently, um, Bobby Roode. Uh, very underrated. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if, and, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, as a fan, you don't understand the nuances of, of how good a person is. And Bobby Roode is one of those guys who's just out of this world. I mean, just, he will get something great out of anybody that you put him in there with. And I think, uh, I mean, he's, he's just awesome. I, I remember him coming to WWE tryouts for, I'm not going to say years, but it was, must have been four or five times you see him mm-hmm. around because he was friends with Val Venus. Yeah. And I remember talking to him. He's like, you know, that I'm getting an offer from TNA, and WWE says, well, maybe I should, you know, try come back again next time with a mask. And I was like, mm-hmm. dude, you got to go yeah. because you're not going to get a shot here. And he went over to TNA and just killed it, like yeah. killed it, like yeah. like you said, the cornerstone almost of the of the promotion. No, and at this I point. mean they 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 are a better company for him. I mean, right? I mean, he's just and he he's one of those talents that's so versatile, and he can go in there and get down with anybody. And I mean, like I said, he's 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 an unsung hero over there. How did you feel? Um, I guess it's been about a year when AJ left. I was heartbroken, man. You know, mm-hmm. like, well, and I, I think I, most of it has to do with the fact that, I mean, you know, people say I was a big cornerstone there. I mean, AJ was TNA. I, mean, I agree. The you, face. When you thought of TNA, and regardless of what I did or what anybody else did, you thought of AJ Styles. And, uh, I mean, he was diehard TNA. I mean, he was, you know, born you know, born and died in the wool over there. And, mm-hmm. um when he left, from a personal standpoint, being a really good friend of mine, I mean, he was in my wedding party, and you know, right? Like, he's he's a he's a I mean, he's just he's a brother to me. And he's still, I mean, even after he left, it was just like, of course, going yeah. back and forth, and um, you know, it just it, it, yeah, I was, I was just I was shocked. I was like, I couldn't understand, you know, how they couldn't have figured that out because I mean, he was always their guy. How they could let him go? Yeah, yeah. And uh, but you know, at the same time, I also understood that that's the nature of wrestling, and, and people come and go, and. And was it was it kind of a blow to the morale of the company when, when it, it was because I mean it, it'd be different if AJ wasn't universally liked mm-hmm. you know if 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 AJ was like some guy oh, well you know he's gone but he was an asshole like no everybody everybody loved right. AJ and and everybody loved working with him I think is another big thing too is that and he always delivered I mean there wasn't there isn't a match that AJ didn't go in there and if you know if he had a crack at it and there wasn't a bunch of craziness that involved it that he didn't go in there and absolutely murder it. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. So I mean that I think anytime you lose somebody like that, yeah, it's a huge blow. Did you enjoy doing? Uh, you mentioned before talking about like kind of a high flying style, which you're very agile and you can do that. I didn't really. I'm not gonna say I didn't like it, but I didn't like the concept of Samoa Joe being in the X division, you know, which is kind yeah. of the. That's not cruiserweight or junior heavyweight, but it's more of the high flying, mm-hmm. you know, type of a thing. I kind of felt they just put you in there because it was like ah oh, something different put him in here, but I didn't really see you climbing. 
you know, no, I don't rafters go over, I don't and go to that top rope ever. <laughs> That's what I mean. I it's it's just, horrible. Uh, no, uh, did you, I, were you cool with that or did you? I was cool with it because of the people I was working with. Oh, AJ. And yeah, but um, like, I, and I have a couple of theories on that. I think one is that they at the time, and, and you'll see it a lot when they're talking about, it, they didn't want to make the X Division be about just being a cruiserweight. Division. Okay. They really wanted it to mean like, oh, this crazy kind of hybrid wacky. More of a style than a weight class. style than a weight class. Gotcha. And so I was kind of the counterbalance to, because everybody else was really flying and doing stuff in there. So I was to be the measured counterbalance to that. And I was to be the great, you know, evil foil to these, you know, young, sparky, high-flying guys. <laughs> sparky. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, I was that guy. I was, I was Giving the, 100% in the ring with all these wonderful ooh, fans. You know, do the yeah, pump exactly, the yeah. The crowd, good. You know, and that, and I was supposed to be kind of like the, the counterbalance to that, you know, the big, evil gargantuan mm-hmm. that needs to be surmounted. Um, and in and, and, and some other aspects later on, I think I was put there uh, to kind of keep me out of the heavyweight title picture because there was guys there that they, they, you know, they wanted to have a defined heavyweight style and they didn't want, they didn't want me kind of I, up there at the time, especially in the early days. And I have no problem saying this. They did not want me up in the heavyweight division yet because they had a set kind of entrenched group of guys. Who was in that group champions. at that point? I, you know, like Jeff. Jarrett, uh, yeah, okay. Jarrett, and, and uh, you know whoever he had, you know, working with him at the time. Gotcha. And um, you know, and I mean, no ill will. I mean, I think I think stylistically they wanted that delineation between lighten up, brother. Yeah, lighten yeah. Up. That kid's crazy. <laughs> we don't want him in here. Good lord. Exactly. Take that muscle buster. Forget that. Yeah. yeah. Do you see him kicking people? What's his? What is his problem? <laughs> yeah. 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 So they kind of put you in the X division to be with be with yeah. those guys instead, right? Right. Yeah. And I was, you know, I think they thought I was kind of an unpredictable hothead at the time too, which. I wasn't, but you know that was kind of the <laughs> mantra that was put on. Yeah, me, yeah. So. How was your experiences with Vince Russo? Do you think he helped the company? Do you think it was a? Um, it's funny. It's been kind of a, a, a always my initial, um, you know, interaction with Russo. We're always real good, even mm-hmm. through my time there. Um, I didn't agree with some of the things that he that he came up with, but uh, you know, at the same time, I always believe in working with a guy, and that you know, you, you don't good things don't happen if you're complete. Like if, if I would have said, "Oh, this is." Horrible, blah, blah, blah. It made a big stink. Mm-hmm. A, I wouldn't have won that battle, especially at the time. And B, then it was guaranteed to be a fail. You know what I mean? Yes. But at the same time, you know, I did what I could to work with him. Um, it was funny when he initially left uh, TNA at the time. Um, you know, he kind of went out and did this interview. And, you know, somebody asked him about, you know, missed opportunities with me. And he kind of trashed me. You know, like, you In know, what way? It, it just like saying that it was my fault and that I wasn't motivated and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and I never made a point of ever saying anything, you know, bad about him. I mean, he takes enough heat. And I think sometimes he was used as a shield for other people's booking. How do you mean? Uh, There was one time there was like this coffin match or something like that. And people were chanting fire Russo. And he had, and he had nothing to do with the, the, gotcha, nothing. But, you know, he was used it. But since, you know, he had this reputation in WCW, he was kind of used as this. He's the scapegoat. He's the yeah. scapegoat, you know, and I think, and I can't really, there was a few other ones I can't really, you know, remember, remember yeah. years that I remember people were putting heat on him about and I'm like and I knew for a fact he had nothing to do with booking any of it <laughs> but the people who did were more than happy to be like oh don't worry about it Vince you had nothing to do with that but you know yeah, don't yeah. chant his name that's yeah. all I care about you know if they like it it's my idea if they hate it it's yeah, Russo's yeah, yeah, it's Russo's yeah. Idea. And, I, and I think and I think a lot of times uh he was he kind of was used in that role and I think a lot of times he just he didn't do things that were you know always the best or didn't work out the way he thought they mm-hmm. did and uh i mean but minor good so then you know he kind of went out and kind of did something to trash me a little bit and uh you know it, it took me by surprise because we did have this good d- despite of whatever i felt or disagreed with him about we had a good you know rapport per- rapport you know and uh 
you know, I went out, I think I was talking to Carlos, you know, Conan, and, you know, he, Conan immediately, ah, here's the, here's the <laughs> shovel, kid, let's go. And I'm always like, you know, and I love him, you know, he's, he, yeah. but that's just, that's his, that's, yeah. you know, that's his thing. He loves to stir, Brother, get the pot stirred. But you hear what Russo said about you, bro? about you, bro? We're, we're, you, bro. we're moving our heads back and yeah. forth, like, <laughs> like Stevie, like Stevie Wonder, that's a Conan. <laughs> yeah, the best, the best Carlos problems always start with him shaking his head no, is <laughs> Yeah, shaking back oh, and let forth. let me tell you, bro. Uh, uh, so, uh. Like, you know, and I was like, I was like, man, you know, whatever, man, screw him, whatever, you know, if that, if, and, and then of course I get an email right away from Vince, brother, I thought we were good or that we were cool. And I laid out for him and I said, dude, you, you said this and this and this, and you know, I really appreciate that. I thought we had a good report too, but you know, yeah. and he, of course he totally had kind of put that out of his mind because <laughs> I was just fired and I was angry and I'm sorry. <laughs> But he emailed, I was fired. But by, by, by the way, he emailed me. But I read. You automatically read Vince's emails in his accent. in his voice. Yeah, bro. I was sorry. They they fired me. I was out of my head at the time. It was cool. And, and I, I was out of my head at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He talks like that a lot. <laughs> so I mean, like uh, it, you know, and and I'm always willing to forgive, dude. You know, if, if, yeah. if you're willing to come forth and and address the situation to me personally, mm-hmm. and like and that's uh, another big thing I'm about is like if if I got a beef with somebody, like I hate dudes who take it public first like right I'll take, I'll take the beef to you right and, and it's between handle, you and me not between yeah, you yeah. and me and twitter yeah and, and that's <laughs> right? i have a huge issue with some of these cats who take their beef to twitter before they because you know, i think it's kind of cowardly in a way you know like it's really bitchy it is I hate it that, is man. like you know i don't have enough i don't have enough courage to bring this opinion to you myself Right. So I'll take this opinion and try to get some public support behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take my version of my opinion <laughs> the, and then I'll bring it to you. you yeah. Know? It's like, no, nah, just just bring it straight to the dude. So, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that he came to me directly even after everything and, and he said what he said. And, and yeah, we're, we're cool, man. And, I, you know, I hope you do it. Well, awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's, it is a crazy business and sometimes you say something. I mean, we're, we, you know, we're around each other all the time, working with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to be friends no, with everybody. No. All the time. And even your best friends in the world, you're going to get in some massive Right, exactly. Yeah. You're going to say stupid things or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? and, um, how about this past summer when uh, the whole company of TNA was off for a while? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, you have a contract. You yeah. can't leave. Mm-hmm. So were you guys working at all? Like between, I guess I'm talking about between the television deals when the Spike thing kind of ran out before the Destination America thing happened. I know that they had taken off. Like, you know, obviously they had exclusivity restrictions on some guys. And uh, I know by that time they had taken all those off. Every, most of the time, mm-hmm. they understood. You know, guys still need to. Yeah, you, you know, f- you know, some guys were on draw deals, whatever. I wasn't on a draw deal. I was on a really pretty ironclad deal, so I was relatively. As okay. far as getting a weekly guarantee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or So else. like, I was okay. But um, you know, so did I, you work at all during that time, or you just kind of hung out at home? I kind of hung out. You know, it was like, like three months or something. Yeah, and like in this, in, the, in, in this period, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not just waiting for an answer. I'm sending out my my network of informants to find out what's <laughs> going on. So. Uh, I think within like maybe two months after that, like you know, somebody kind of said, "Well, there are some hits in certain places, and I think you guys are going to end up switching networks." But how um, did you feel about that? A little apprehensive because Spike's, you know, Spike's a big network, man. Right. It's got great penetration, you know, across the the, the country, and um, you know, it's like uh, you know, you you always wonder. And I knew that you know the people that they're recording probably didn't have the best penetration but they do have a good media family behind them kind of like viacom so mm-hmm. um that being the discovery network so i mean it was just uh it was it was nerve-wracking in the sense that you know i wanted things to work out but i know uh, you know other people they were kind of you know they were really really hurting at the time you know but your contract was was nearing its end at that point in time yeah did that 
kind of tell you like maybe it's time for me to move on or were you still willing to stay that was kind of one of the initial kind of signals because uh you know uh and I don't mean to cash disparagement on them because no, no, no. I really, really want them to succeed. And I as really do I, to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I never and, bury TNA. And, no, and, and it's good for this thing. And yeah. you know as well as I do, it's good for the industry. You know, to, Absolutely. To have, and for the boys. Yes. And for the fans. It is. Everybody. And for the fans. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, I, I knew seeing that, I was kind of like, it was kind of like a tick. Like, well, you know, for me, it kind of hurt because, like I said, we did build a ton when it came yeah. to the company. And to... You know, kind of see it take a step back to take a couple of steps forward. Hopefully, right. You know, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a blow. You know, you got you know you can only hear so many rah rah speeches. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna yeah. take over the world again, and uh, and you know we you know we had done I'd done nine years of that, and uh, mm-hmm. it was like man, yeah, this is where we're at. You know, I hope I really really hope you know this this is a good move. It's funny uh, when Bubba did this thing this year at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. He came out and did the appearance, and I was like, how was it? He's like, oh, my God. It was like just to be in front of an arena crowd. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Because I know you guys had, or you guys, TNA had arena crowds yeah. in the UK especially. Mm-hmm. But in the States, it was a lot of Orlando, yeah, Orlando studios. studios. Studio yeah. know, audiences and stuff like that. I mean, and, and you know, over the period, too, I mean, we'd had some great arena crowds for pay-per-views and stuff, too. But mm-hmm, right. the consistency of it uh, wasn't at that level yet by any stretch of the yeah, imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Did you talk to AJ at all when, when you know, about like, because now let's, you know, he's now the IWGP heavyweight champion in mm-hmm. Japan. He's gone and just, he hasn't looked back since he left no. TNA. He's probably worked more and made more money since he left. Mm-hmm. Was that something you kind of kept an eye on as your contract was coming to an end? Uh, I, I kept an eye on it, not for, honestly, not from that standpoint, like, oh, you know, what are my prospects of making money out there? Because I kept an eye on it because I just, I keep an eye on AJ. And, of course. And, and, but, um, I remember talking to him, and, and I and I talked to him after I'd kind of made the decision about the situation, you know, mm-hmm. even before the situation. I mean, obviously, you got your boys, and you're like, oh, I don't know, man. You know, I'm kind of going mulling back and forth, seeing what I want to do. But I remember immediately afterwards, he actually called me, and he goes, so you did it? And I said, yeah. He's like, don't worry. You're going to be fine. And I was like, oh, yeah, I figured, man. He's like, all right. And then, like, you know, we use the same booking agent, so it was like. Well, I'll have Bill call you in a couple minutes, and then you know, and he, uh, you know, he was already trying to set me up and get me going. So, I mean, he's a good brother in that sense. <laughs> two two questions on reactions. What was Dixie's reaction when you told her you were going to leave, mm-hmm. and what's the reaction been since you since you left? As far as you know, um, Dixie was a bit shocked and disappointed. Yeah. You know, obviously, um, you know, I'm very disappointed in your decision. I believe is you know really yeah yeah. Well, but um, she's a very she's an emotional being and you know, mm-hmm. she, and she does have, she does have a, you know, she does care and she does, you know, I've been there and, mm-hmm. and you know, I consider, you know, a lot of the guys are family and of course. we've been a family. Well, for and she's years. been your boss for nine years too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's been a good relationship. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing I think a lot of people overlook is that, you know, no matter how you feel creatively, if the business relationship's good yeah. and between me and TNA, the business relationship had been stellar for the past nine years. So, um, I never falter for that. You know what I mean? And she's, she's, she's done tremendous things for me in my life and my career. And you always and, hear nice stuff about her. I've never heard anybody say that she's, yeah, who know her personally, mean you know, and, or, and, or uh, bad boss or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she, she was, she was, she was disappointed that I'm not going to be around. And, um, you know, the reaction since then, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, it's really amicable, you know I mean? Uh, I made a point not to leave in a manner that was really, you know, uh, you know, slash and burn and it's very you know, classy. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and I think in today's kind of media environment, um, there's just such a, 
it's just such an easy way to just kind of go out there and immediately get on your Twitter. Well, once like, again, yeah, go on Twitter to bash people or, yeah. or talk shit or whatever. I mean, it's not it's nobody's business. And then it's know? funny because like you do you do that you do exit and you try to have some kind of sense of decorum with it, and then uh, people are like, "Oh, you're just not trying to burn a bridge." And oh I'm my like, gosh! No, it's just it's. I genuinely wish yeah. them well, you know, like I, I appreciate I, the time I had there and it's yeah. time to move on. Right? Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the thing about that too, is we talked about this earlier in the show today. It's like if after a year or two years or whatever, mm -hmm. You wanted to go back there. How huge would it be if Samoa Joe came back? You know, that's yeah. the thing. Like when you leave a place, it shouldn't be in a bad way because it could work out again. Or even if it doesn't, you always want to leave that 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 bridge unburned. Yeah, and and you know, it's like an uh, example of this is Ring of Honor. You know, when I left Ring of Honor, you know, I gave them plenty of a notice beforehand, right. and I did everything I could, and I walked back in there in Vegas, and uh, you know, the, the the response from the crowd was incredible and crazy, and just kind of like you know, self-fulfilling in its own way, but walking in the back and just seeing all the wrestlers there and just being embraced and like, Oh God, so glad you're back. And yeah, like, you know, you, you don't get that a lot in wrestling, you know, guys yeah. saying so glad you're back, you know? So, uh, is there a lot of the same guys there in ring of honor from when you No, left? a lot of new guys, too. I guess it would have to be for nine yeah, years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. There, there, I mean, there, there's, there's some staples there that always be there, you know, and, and, and guys who've, who've kind of moved on and moved up in the company and are mm -hmm. doing different things. Is it but, the same uh, boss? No, no, okay, completely new company, uh, Sinclair Broadcast Group. Right. They bought out from Kerry Silken. Kerry Silken's still there as an advisor. I mean, he was one of the first I walked the door, gave me a big hug, and he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're back. And you know, and, uh, and But they snapped you up right away because we were going to do this yesterday, but yeah. then you, you called me last week and said, I got to took this booking. So yeah. we're like, Joey, we got this show. Come on down. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm booked with them through, uh, you know, for about five more shows here for the next couple of months. So, uh are you going back to Japan? Is that another option? Uh, we've uh, we're in talks, like the, the Japan stuff, and 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 a few other places. We're still talking. To I can see AJ schedules. flipping out trying to get you there. Yeah, and I and I have a good relationship with New Japan. You know, like I worked for a Nokia office out in LA, and we ran his dojo up in Santa Monica. And um, you know, the the office knows me. Tiger, you know, he knows me. And Tiger uh, Tory, yeah, Tiger Tory, son of a bitch. That son of a bitch. <laughs> he's a great guy, yeah. man. And he's he's a real ball buster too. Oh yeah, yeah. You I can't said, you can't get one over on so him. Yeah, so you can't even pronounce your words properly. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut my mouth, and then, he'll, <laughs> oh. and then he'll cuss you out in New York accent. It's awesome. He used to call uh, Eddie Guerrero. You look like Mexican Flamingo. What do you mean? <laughs> Big body, skinny leg. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> care. <laughs> stupid little ponytail. But I mean that. I mean we were talking about that. How, how, for example, you know AJ is now the the, the champion there. Mm -hmm. That I think I think it's his second time, and I believe there's only two or three other foreigners ever to be multiple time IWGP like yeah. heavyweight champion. Yeah. That's a huge, huge thing. Huge. They don't take that lightly there. No, they don't. Not at all. You know, and like you said, I mean, you guys have great matches and, and, and similar styles, and plus you're you're cut out for that Japanese style, and you have yeah. the Japanese uh, classic build too, just big, <laughs> you know, big boy, big and mean. Oh, you're big. <laughs> what do you think? Um, uh, as as we're getting ready to, to wind down, uh, as far as um, Ring of Honor having a chance to be the viable second biggest company in the states is it something that's that like people say all the time about ring of honor is probably as big as tna is it or is it still kind of growing um yeah it's it's still growing mm -hmm. and, and 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 i think that's a fair criticism because uh you know they don't have the media penetration you know if you, if you just look at the logistics of it all right that um you know uh, tna has they don't have the international presence that tna has has built over the years but that being said i mean uh Watching that pay per view last week, I mean, the product is just still, 
you know, and you leaving a company always come back. You always kind of like hear inklings like, "Oh, it's not the same." Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I went to that show the other night, and I was just like, I was blown away, man. I mean, just a lot, lot of those same type of guys when I was coming up. They're just young, hungry, have really, really creative minds and great ideas, and and uh, you know, it just takes a little bit of focus and the mm-hmm. focus and the energy, and it could be really, really dangerous. Turn into a laser, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Were the fans excited to see you? Yeah, yeah. And it was did they cool. know you're going to be there? Uh, they did announce it like shortly before I got okay. there. Okay. So. Yeah, it wasn't that much of a surprise. <laughs> so, who are some of the guys that you're looking forward to working with uh, in Ring of Honor? Uh, you or know, in I, general. In general, uh, you know, the Briscoes again. I think they're great. Um, uh, there's a few other guys there that are uh, that are uh, you know they 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 kind of there's a Warbeard Hanson guy. I mean, he looks like a Viking. Warbeard Hanson. Hansen, yeah, love the name. The Hanson's his name. But, you know, <laughs> I, I love I call Warbeard. Warbeard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big beard. He looks like he should be carrying a battle axe to the ring. You know, like a uh, big dude. And, is uh, uh, is Del Rio working there? Del Rio is. I'd love to work with Del match. Rio. He's, mean, he is a good worker, man. Oh, man. I give I, him so much thumbs up. And, for, uh, and and you hear that about Lucha guys all the time, you know, like the tremendous agility. But he's one of those guys that's that's big, you know, legitimately mm-hmm. like a taller guy. But, mm-hmm. I mean, just moves like a cat. Is real so slick with the arm work and, and stuff. And he works, and I'm saying this in a, in a positive way, and you'll get this. Mm-hmm. He works stiff. Yeah. Which for me, and I know just from watching you, you like it too. It's like you feel like you're yeah. in a contest, not not careless, no, but stiff. Like you, in there. you He's feel tight. it. Man. He's in there. He's tight. Physical. Yeah, those yeah. kicks to the head. You're like, you yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, it's like wakes you up a bit. It does. Know? It does, and it amps you. You kind of, oh, yeah. okay, now let's go and let's go. You I know, love so. that style. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll have good matches with him. Yeah, man, that's yeah, so. cool. So uh, the the classic final question: What's some of your favorite matches that you've ever had in your career? Uh, I always, my stock answer and and I do I haven't had it yet but I mean my favorite you haven't ones, had it yet well sure yeah. but the ones that you have had but the ones that I've had I mean the, the three way with me Chris and AJ um, at Unbreakable was, was that for the title yeah I think for the X Division belt and um, that, oh, that always, was a classic yeah, yeah that one I always love uh, you know me and Kobashi. I mean, in, I mean, I really like that one. I, I go back and I pick it apart. I'm like, ah, oh, we should have done this and this. I'm, I'm horrible. I do it with all of my matches. That's really why I can't pick a favorite. Is because every one that it's a favorite of mine, I can go back and go like, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Look what I wanted to do that. Oh, that's so, why that was stupid. You know, but uh, that one, Kobashi, uh, working with Kurt, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, some of my stuff with uh, Brian Danielson in my earlier ROH days, He's or too. Daniel Bryan, excuse yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, he's it's funny. He, everyone calls him Dan in the, yeah. in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, he he's another guy that like you know for all the success he's had, it's well deserved because he's just I mean just yeah phenomenal. In the ring. You know, it, it's interesting too. You mentioned watching your matches back. Some of my I think when I say people ask me what's the favorite match you ever have, I always say it's me and Shawn Michaels ladder match, two thousand eight. I think it was called Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. I've never watched it back. Yeah. No, I don't want to watch it. Because you don't want to ruin it, right? No, I remember it up here in my head. Yeah. And in my head, it's a perfect match. Yeah. So I don't need to pick apart like, ah, oh, I should have chopped him there. Or why did I do that? And or I, that looked, you know. And I and I would do that. And I do do that when I when I go. Yeah. Like, I avoid watching some of those matches back. Because people are like, oh, such a great response. And, like, you know, if it's kind of, I get this overwhelming, like, positive that's not just blowing smoke. Yeah. Then I will purposely go out of a way not to watch it just so I won't ruin it in my right. head. Because I'm because I'm just like, no, it, it wasn't a perfect match. Yeah, and then sometimes there'll be ones that you think were just the shits and you won't watch it, but then sometimes if you by chance have to happen to yeah. watch it back, you're like, well, that wasn't so bad at yeah, all. I thought that was way worse like, than it was. What was my problem with that? Yeah. You know? I threw a coffee cup over that match. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I cried for days on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thank you, man. All right, amazing conversation with Samoa Joe, and I just want to add... Uh, as we were leaving, 
I asked him, do you have any intentions of going to the WWE? And it's something that we didn't want to talk too much about on the show, uh, but he said he wanted me to tell you guys that there have been interactions between Samoa Joe and the WWE, and um, there's some negotiations going on. So we're not sure exactly what's going to happen, but he is in talks with the WWE right now. And I know this for sure. A few years ago, I was talking to Triple H, and Joe's name came up, and he was saying how much he enjoyed Joe's work, and how much of a fan he is of Samoa Joe and of all of his uh, his wrestling style. So you never know what's going to happen. Keep your eyes open. You could be seeing Joe in the WWE very soon, but if not, he will be at Ring of Honor. You can find out all of his matches upcoming. You do not want to miss the return of the killer kick-ass Samoa Joe. Joe is going to kill you. Joe is going to kill you. Yeah, he's going to get you, and he's coming. And hey, if you live in Los Angeles... You should also be going to see The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. It's the documentary that's sweeping the nation, winning awards, playing a special screening at the Arclight Theater on Sunset Boulevard this Sunday, March 8th at 8 p.m. Still a few tickets available. That's not some kind of a a shill or some kind of a a, uh, selling point. It has been moved from the small uh, venue to the bigger venue because so many tickets have been sold. You need to check out the story about how Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga literally saved Jake's life, literally saved Scott Hall's life. It's an amazing, amazing documentary. Once again, at the Arclight Theater on Sunset Boulevard this Sunday, March 8th at 8 p.m. If you live in L.A., go check it out. And if you live in England, Ireland, Scotland, France, Switzerland, Germany, you got to come rock with us at the Cinderblock Party World Tour. It's underway. We're here. We're ready to rock. We just killed it in Ireland, in Belfast, and then in Cork. The shows in Ireland have been killer. We love Ireland. And tonight, we continue our Irish stand, rocking it in Dublin. What's the old joke? Are you Irish? Because my penis is Dublin. <laughs> no, wait. Are you from Ireland? Uh well, maybe I am. Why? Because I've been looking at you, and my penis is doubling. That's a that's a pickup line that will work for sure. Not remember that. Not um, yeah, probably one of the worst pickup lines I've ever heard in my life. But it makes me laugh. My penis is doubling. <laughs> that's funny. Go try that on the ladies and see what happens, guys. Give me the report at Talk is Jericho. Also, give me the report about what you think about the Fozzie Tour. If you come to the shows, like I said, Dublin tonight makes me laugh every time. Tomorrow, heading over the pond to England, Nottingham on the 7th, Rock City, one of my favorite places. Uh, March 8th in Wolverhampton, the Slade Rooms, not to be confused with Chris Slade, who's now the drummer from ACDC and a Talk is Jericho alumni. Have to get him on the show again. March 9th, Manchester. March 10th, Glasgow, Scotland. Always a crazy, crazy night. Uh, these are crazy, 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 crazy nights whenever we do a tour. March 11th in London, 12th, Bristol, 13, Exeter, 14, Southampton, 15, and Brighton. Going to be hanging out there with the May, uh, Iron Maiden manager, Rod Smallwood, the man behind Iron Maiden. He lives in Brighton. He will be there. Then we head over to Paris, France, Paris. March 17th, very, very excited. Je t'aime Paris. March 18th, Pretown, Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland, home of Cesaro. Like I say that, like it's a very, what a generic xenophobic thing to say. Oh, Switzerland. Yeah, that's the home of, of Cesaro. There's like 18,000 cities in Switzerland, but uh, it's Pretown that we're going to. And then we hit Germany for three shows, Munich, Mannheim, and Bochum. The tour is selling well. We are selling out. 
Belfast sold out. Cork was jam-packed. Listen, you want to come to the show, don't miss it. Don't be one of those people that's like, hey, did you go to Fozzie last night? No, I didn't go. How was it? It was amazing. Oh, you missed out. You're so nerd. You're so, you're so crazy. And people will pants you and they'll haze you and throw things at you. Don't be that guy. Go to see Fozzie and go to FozzieRock.com for information on tickets and for VIP packages. We have the greatest VIP experience in the world. Come hang out with us. I'll buy you a sandwich. I will. All right. Thank you so much once again for checking out the show. I love doing this for you for free for twice a week. And thanks to Amazon for helping me keep the ball rolling, keep the wheels greased. You go to podcastone.com. You click on the Keeper Podcast free button at the top of the page. You click on Talk is Jericho. You see all them Amazon links and you shop. You just shop. That's all you got to do. And every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show. So we keep doing this for free for days a week. No hidden fees or hidden charges, charges. No extra charges. You're just getting that shopping done. You're helping me out in the process. All right. Very, very excited. Uh, another fine episode of Talk is Jericho. And you are here. You, you, you are making it happen. And we'll see you next week. But in the meantime and in between time, you stay hard. You stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And next week. We got another guy who took control of his own destiny, wasn't happy with what he was doing, and left. We're talking about Justin Gabriel, who left the WWE. He quit the WWE. He said, I can't take it anymore. Uh, Enough is enough. Time for a change. I'm mad as hell and ain't going to take it anymore. And left the WWE. As he said, he walked out on his dream. He is now also on the indie scene. He's tearing it up. He's got a lot to offer. He is now called PJ Black. PJ Black is back, baby. And once again, where does he do his interview to tell you why he left the WWE? Right here on Talk is Jericho. You're going to hear that on Wednesday. You are not going to want to miss it. I want you to stay safe. Have a lot of fun. Be cool to your family and your friends. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.